Welcome to the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Awana. My name is Melanie, and I am so glad that you've joined me today. We are launching a book club on childdiscipleship.com with Matt Markin's new book, The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling the Next Generation. This is a highlight reel of those conversations. And this book club is intended for you to gather your leaders together, whether that's in person or online through a Zoom conversation and begin reading chapter by chapter and then coming together to discuss it. We have recorded 20-minute conversations with leaders just like yourself to get the conversation going where you can listen and then turn to the discussion questions at the end of the chapters to really dig into how this might change the way you disciple the kids in your church. But for now, here are the highlights from those conversations that we've included in the book club. You mentioned that had decades of experience, which one makes me feel old, but also is very true. Um, I know that Sam and I both came to a point several years ago where we kind of started talking and we're like, okay, if you Google children's ministry right now, you're going to find a lot of games and a lot of fun and a lot of hoopla, but not a whole lot of the gospel. And you know, I realized it in my own church too. Like what had I been focusing on? Because the pressure gets put on us so much about attendance and matching with the church down the street and, you know, being all the cool and we get so focused and so distracted on all of those things, having the best check-in system, having the coolest looking decor that we lose the main thing. And I love what, how this book points us back towards that and that child discipleship has got to be the main thing. And that all those things we've been doing all these years just aren't working. gives that question and he asks is my primary motivation and he's talking about like so leaders ask yourselves of this um is my primary motivation to protect children or is my primary motivation to protect and prepare children right and Mm -hmm. and prepare is that key part that's added there right is that yes of course we will protect children we did a study where it talked about how children's ministry leaders don't feel like they have a super um, high value in how they can impact kids. Mm-hmm. And it kind of caused this like collective, like, oh, right. Like, like just yeah. brokenheartedness essentially yeah. that, that like, I think the stat is that 17% think that the church's influence on the development of a child, 15% think that church leaders are influential and church and, and 15% think that church services are for children are influential. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, what this is saying is that it's children's ministry leaders saying it about themselves. Yeah. They're saying that we aren't helpful. Only 17% mm-hmm. of them said yes. Right. Especially when I was younger, I feel ill-equipped to have these conversations because I thought it was the adult minister's job right? Like it's my senior pastor's job to equip the parents or it's my marriage pastors, whatever that may be. I never felt like it was my role. I think we get intimidated by how loud the world is, that we see how Mm -hmm. loud all these issues are and how our kids are so influenced by so many things. And I think, I wonder if that plays into some of those statistics is that leaves kids ministry leaders feeling ineffective because everything else is so prevalent. And 
So I guess one encouragement is just for us to remember that the world is very loud, but Jesus said he has come to overcome the world. What am I doing all this for? And what is the desired outcome from all of this feverish activity? You know, is it just to uh, keep the kids busy and keep them from crying so our pastor doesn't get frustrated while he's preaching? Or is it, is it to feed them copious amounts of goldfish? Or are we trying to produce in them by the work of the Holy Spirit uh, and, you know, uh, a, something that is lasting? You know, and, that, and I think Matt really gets to that in this. So I think I think that first thing is immediacy. The second thing is is that we we tend in, in kids ministry it, it's it's you have to think in um, in decades and not years. Yeah. We always feel, I think that's one of the hardest parts of ministry is there's always things undone. There's always more kids to talk to. There's always more parents. There's always more tasks. There's always more name tags to print. There's always more things. And I think the conversation here has to be not how do I add more, but how do I realign? I think yeah. that's what Matt's saying here is how do I realign what I'm doing? Um, these statistics yeah. of 100 and what was it, 144% or something of our time is spent on yeah. preparation and planning. And I'm glad he explained the math on that because math is not my thing. So I was like, yeah. that's <laughs> much, but how's it get to be 144%? Sure. But, like lots of people Which said that lots, everybody said it lots of times, I think is how I interpret that how that <laughs> number came to me. And that's, that's so right in kids ministry. So I think it, so don't, so leaders don't hear it as how can you add more to your plate? Nobody's saying that that's, that's going to exhaust you and trying to figure that out. But how do you realign what's on your plate? How do you take that 144% and share that with some other people or find some pieces of that, that don't really have to happen and it's going to be okay. Like Catherine, what would you say would be some practical ways to dig into that for these leaders to, to make a change, to make, what have you done to make some of those incremental changes? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I still fall short. I think one of the biggest thing that I had to really, really ground myself even recently is I have to change my heart. So mm -hmm. in kids ministry, when you have all these administrative things you have to do, you almost feel like you have to finish the task, right? You have yeah. to get it done or something falls apart. If a volunteer doesn't right. show up, it's the end of the world. Um, but it's just like what Matt talked about in the beginning of the book. I have to remember what's my end goal. Mm -hmm. What is the end goal? Is it for this weekend or is yeah. it truly the end of that child's yeah. discipleship? In order to get our priorities where they need to be as far as how we spend our time, we have to give some tasks away. And sometimes the hardest part <laughs> of that in kids ministry is, but but they won't do it like I do it or, or whatever, but God yeah. calls us to yeah. equip others. So I think that's a great word of what you, that analogy you're using with your kid is we've got to be able to let our volunteers and our other leaders take things and run with it. And we don't have to step in and do it. And it may not be exactly like we want it, but it's okay. God's going to use that. And God is bigger than all of those things. It's not about us. The Bible is about God for us. It's, it's, it's a story that he tells us about how he created this perfect place, you know, and how our sin broke that place, right? And how he sent his own son to redeem this world and how he's making all things new. And I think kids need that overarching understanding so that every story that we tell them, every Bible story that they read from going forward will make sense in light of that reality. So a Bible light strategy is saying, 
here's some stories we handpicked that have animals mm. in them. Uh, and versus here is what the Bible, the story of the Bible is about. It's not about you. It's for you. And I think that's an important distinction that we have to understand and make. Because as kids ministry leaders, we may not have the time to write curriculum, but we are called to be theologically minded and to say, what is the best curriculum that matches the theological framework of our church? Mm. You know, uh, there's this idea out there that says that, that there's certain parts of the Bible that aren't, aren't, aren't appropriate for kids. And I, while I would agree with that to some extent, the, the, what I would say is not, is this appropriate for kids? It's how do we teach this to kids in an, in a, in an age appropriate way? And so that is a, a Bible life strategy says we skip the, the hard mm-hmm. parts of the Bible and we give them the, the, the fun, nice parts of the Bible. And what that does is that paints an incomplete picture of a loving and holy God that cares for them, that takes care of them, that when they go through hard things, because we read about it in Scripture, uh, God will be with me because he did not leave his people ever and he won't leave me now. I love what you just did there because I wrote it down because the quote that you said is so good. Okay, so the Bible isn't about you, it's for you. So when that is how we're approaching the Bible in our churches, um, I can see how when we use the Bible as a, hey, this is, this is you, like this, you're, bi- you're centric in this, like you, this mm-hmm. is only for you, then all of a sudden, like we create that out for them a couple years down the road when what they're experiencing in life doesn't mm-hmm. match up with what they have experienced or been taught about the Bible. And so then if the Bible is self-centric, that I am at the center of that, then I'm going to kind of be willing to say, what, what am I going to kind of stuff off? Probably the whole Bible piece, because I've been told this whole time that it's about me, instead of me being like being able to see myself that the Bible is for me. The first step into child discipleship is you saying yes to being just available. And man, like if any, if there was a first step that is the easiest, to me that is so exciting that it's sometimes that simple to just saying yes to that. We continue to make it all about them. How is that helping prepare them for their future in the church and their future in the world, right? right. So. Sure. Maybe this is one piece of the reason why kids walk away from church. They're not having fun anymore. Like they get to grown up world and it's mm-hmm. not, nobody's juggling with them or playing games or there's not a race, you know, in the middle of the worship service. And then even take that a step further. If we're, we're praying yeah. for God to send kids all over the world to serve and to reach unreached people groups and to serve on mission fields, those environments aren't going to be, those are going to be concrete floors and hot, dusty rooms. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that focus on fun is very, very short lived. Like it's very, yeah. very um, short term focused. Yeah. When we right. let's let's engage them, like Sam was saying, absolutely, I'm not anti fun. But if that is the whole focus, they're gonna mm-hmm. if that's what they equate with church and with Jesus, they're gonna lose interest pretty quickly because we can't keep up with what they consider to be fun. We can't. We just can't compete with the world on that. Right. And and I think going back to like the whole idea of belonging. 
like when you belong somewhere, right? What happens is that there's relational investment. There's it when you're in a family, right? It isn't always fun, right? There's right. times where you're, where you're doing work yeah. and there's times where your family yeah. members offend you and hurt you and you, but you work through it because you belong uh, to one another, right? You're part of this family that God has placed you in this family for your good and his glory. And yeah. if fun is if when our if we left our families when they stopped being fun we'd be on our 25th family by now and right. that is not the goal the goal is is god puts people he puts us in a family he puts us in a yeah. city he puts us in a neighborhood yeah. he puts us in a church to to allow us to flourish in those places to demonstrate to those people who are watching us the glory of god in the midst of the mundane and I think we, we lose that sometimes. We think every every Sunday has to be the Super Bowl. Every Sunday has to be Disney. And what the way that God does his best work is in the in the mundane moments of our lives when we say, God, help me to be obedient, even when I don't feel what I want and I don't feel like things are going my way. Mm-hmm. And I think this that's the important thing that we have to teach our kids is is obedience in like you're saying, Jenny, uh, to do hard things. Because it's in those hard things. And, and, and I think we underestimate kids. We underestimate what kids are capable of. And what we do is we sell them short by saying, okay, here's some games. Here's some fun. Here's a video. Watch the screen. Instead of saying, how has God wired you to make a difference in the world that he created you in? For me, in the 20-ish years that I've been part of children's ministry, I always felt like I was preparing the kids and the parents to have the conversation for later when it comes up in youth ministry, Mm. right? Like I had this like, hey, when they get there, we're going to have these conversations. That is not the case anymore. Mm. It is in Mm. our ministry. Like I am preparing Mm. our children, my children who are eight years old, seven years old to have conversations that I thought I had a little bit more time to have. Right. And I mm. think that that sh- that shock of, oh, it's happening a lot quicker is what's yeah. a bit uncomfortable. And mm. for me, really felt like I have to quickly get prepared for. And, yeah. and so that's kind of where I'm at. What about you, Jenny? Yeah, I'd piggyback off of that to say in years past, all these issues were kind of out there, right? Like even if we addressed it yeah. with kids or with teenagers, it was something out there, but now it's in their hands in their phone. And there is not an issue that we can completely shield them from because it's going to show up in their social media or YouTube or Netflix or whatever. And so I think just that access that kids have these days, all kids of all ages, is one of the greatest shifts as well, impacting how we deal with these speak a little bit of hope of what lies ahead for us because of the work that we're doing and what like choosing to dig in and do the work that God is calling us to that will help make resilient disciples of the kids in our churches. I think the hope that I have is that when we read the gospels, Jesus isn't freaking out over small numbers. Mm -hmm. We don't find him experiencing anxiety over the fact that he only has 12 disciples as opposed to 1200 or 12,000 mm-hmm. or whatever. He, he walks slowly through a crowd. He's not, you know, he, he, his marketing plan was eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like he did not have a, a very impressive external marketing campaign. 
because Jesus wasn't asking the question and wringing his hands over, how do I get more followers? He was asking the question, essentially, by the way he lived his life, is how do we form lasting faith? Because he said, go and make disciples. In other words, go and form people in my image. Um, and so, you know, the, if you just read, go back and read the Sermon on the Mount over and over again. You get to, you get to chapter, chapter 7 of Matthew. Broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many will find it. Narrow is the pathway that leads to life, and few will find it. Jesus was saying there's a, when he says narrow, it's not only a number. He's talking about a specific path. In other mm -hmm. words, he's looking for people whose hearts are open to being formed by him. So what hope I would give is don't freak out over mm -hmm. what response you're, you may or may not be seeing because Jesus wasn't asking the question, you know, hey, how do I fill my auditorium or how do I get maximum attendance at my church? Those are important questions. It's just not the primary question. The primary yeah. question should be less about attractionalism and more about formation because we don't yeah. see Jesus wringing his hands over how do I attract more people. So be encouraged by if, if the number of loving, caring adults you have to help you disciple kids is not what you want it to be, don't worry about that. Jesus Jesus would not be worrying about that. He would say, pour into them, invest in them. Because like the our God is a God of the faith of the mustard seed. And the mustard seed is not very powerful, right? Like, look at that little teeny tiny thing. It's not very powerful. Well, it is powerful. It just doesn't look powerful to our eyes. So we have to think differently. We have to think as spiritual leaders, not as secular leaders. Mm. So invest into the people that you have. If it's three people, if it's 12, if it's 33, if it's 300, you invest into the team that you have yeah. and ask the hard questions of today and build, build the church culture of today, which is a highly relational culture, investing in your team of loving, caring adults. And whoever God brings, don't worry about the number. Focus on uh, the gospel, fruitful work that God is doing and allow them to thrive as they work with children. So we just have to think differently. We can't keep thinking like Henry Ford and it's all about scale. Again, those are important discussions. Those are necessary discussions, but they're not the most important ones that we see Jesus putting his energy into. We've got to align our heart and our thinking to the way Jesus thought in the Gospels. And that is where the Spirit really Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.